Hey, welcome back to Sermon Notes. This is Michael. I've got Garland here along with Josh, our producer. And Garland, we're getting close to the end of our series on the I Am Statements of Jesus. That's right. We've come off to Easter this past week, and what a celebration of just the resurrection ground that we stand in as Jesus followers. And um, now we're going to move in. We're kind of we went to Easter, so we jumped to the end of the end of the story. Now we're coming back to this is our fifth, right? Fifth I am statement. Yeah, that's right. And so this week's I am statement is actually in John chapter fourteen, which is. The beginning of a section we call the Upper Room Discourse, but even that section takes place in the context of a bigger story. Garland, kind of orient us to where we are in the life of Christ and what's happening leading up to the I Am statement that we're going to unpack this week. Yeah, so the I Am this week is I Am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And uh, we're going to do a little work on Sunday morning, so we won't say it here on just what do we do with the exclusiveness of how that sounds? And we're going to spend some time on the sermon on Sunday, uh, even unpacking that, kind of answer that objection, uh, because I think many people hear a passage like this and go, yeah, there go those Christians again with their, we know the way, you have to follow our way, and everybody else is wrong. So we're going to do some of that work on Sunday. But to get our to get our context set up, um, we've, we've transitioned in John's gospel. So John's gospel has some very clear cycles. Um, chapters 2, really all the way through chapter 11, is, is Jesus being presented as Israel's Messiah. Chapter 12 serves as a bit of a transition as he goes into the, with the triumphal entry scene. And uh, then we get to 13 through 17, and it's what we call the upper room discourse oftentimes. This is uh, Jesus's Passover meal with his disciples. And um, as we as we study this section, we're going to see Jesus will, he'll do some very interesting things. First, he washes his disciples' feet, chapter 13. And then he says, I've done this as a as an example for you. This is what it looks like to lay down your life for, for your friends. And then Judas will leave. So that's a key, a key moment is when Judas leaves the room. And in light of that, in light of Judas leaving, and that we get that there in chapter 13, verse 30, you say, and it was night, that light darkness theme again. Then Jesus begins to speak to uh, the, the remaining disciples, and he starts talking about this this path he's about to walk, this way towards the cross, and they rightly don't understand him. He says things like, where I am going, you cannot come. And in this in this back and forth, Peter, as so often he does, um, says, well, what, 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 where are you going? I, I, I'll follow you anywhere. I'll even lay down my life for you. And in response to that, Jesus says, a very troubling thing. Like I imagine they hear this and kind of freak out a little bit. Verse 38, Jesus answered Peter. He's one of their leaders after all and says, really? Will you really lay down your life for me, Peter? It says, truly, truly, I tell you, before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. And there's got to be a pause in our narrative right here because Jesus sensing their their anxiety over this, their worry over this, like, what, what do you mean, Jesus? The next words out of Jesus's mouth are, Hey, don't be worried. Don't, don't, don't let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Hey, believe also in me. And that's going to set up this remaining discourse that we're going to have. So that's our context. Jesus is talking about this way that he must go, this path that he must take towards the cross. And the disciples saying, we're going to go with you. And him saying, you can't. You're not ready to walk this way yet. Yeah, Thomas actually asked him in verse 5, 
we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? Right. And that's what actually sets up Jesus to say, I am the mm-hmm. way. And if you read it, if you read the Upper Room Discourse, you're going to see red letters for a long time here. So if you have a red letter Bible, the the, the remaining teaching of Jesus is going to be him essentially answering this question of Thomas. And then we're going to see some of the other disciples. Philip will ask a question uh, as well, just right after this. Um, and so what you come to sermon notes for, I, I'm guessing, is the stuff that didn't make it, you know, kind of in the sermon. And we're going to work through, you know, the objection of the exclusivity of Jesus. We're going to talk about this way. Um But the whole context is set up in verse two. Jesus says, my father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me. And this seems to be the key idea that Jesus has in mind, that where I am, you will be. Because where I am is going to be where the Father is. And the rest of the Upper Room Discourse is going to be all about knowing that you're where Jesus is because he's where the Father is. I and in the Father and the Father in me. So I and you and you and me. We're going to see those themes all over the Upper Room Discourse. And it, it, it brings up a very, a very important question. What's so important about being where Jesus is? Why do we need this presence of Jesus? And we're going to spend some time uh, answering that question uh, on Sunday. But we have to do a little bit of deep dive here in verses two and three. Uh, I think for many of us, when we read this this passage, um, we, we, we read it and we say, okay, I, I get what Jesus is saying. The Father's house, that's got to be a reference to heaven. And um, he says, I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And many translations even have translated this, my Father's house has many mansions. So we sing songs about, you know, mansions in the sky and going to get our mansion in the sky. And that's a little... We got to be a little more nuanced than that. Most of the translations are doing that now. It says, my father's house has many abodes, many dwelling places, resting places. This is going to be the same root word for our word for abide, which you're going to speak to in chapter 15, abide in me and I in you. Um, and scholars debate what he means by my father's house. Um, he's defined it already in John's gospel as the temple. So Jesus has said in my father's house in chapter two, he says, you've made my father's house a den of robbers. And it, it's been defined for us in John's gospel. Now we got to ask the question, what is the function of the temple? Well, the temple is where heaven and earth collide. It's where God comes to be with his people. And right after Jesus says that statement in John chapter two, my father's house, you've made it a den of robbers. He then starts talking about his body being the temple. And I think we see something very instructive here. The place where God comes to dwell among his people was the temple in the Old Testament scriptures. And Jesus is saying, now that is me. I am, after all, the word becoming flesh. And so as he's speaking to this concept of the place where heaven and earth dwell, he says, that's where I'm, I'm going to go. And I'm going to go as the place where heaven and earth dwell, me in my body, and prepare a place for you. This way that he's talking about, this road that he's talking about, this path that he's on is a march towards the cross. This is Passover after all. And so this night is the night where just a few, within a few hours, he'll be arrested. He'll be falsely accused. He'll be beaten. He'll be flogged. He'll be crucified. And so this way that he will walk is this way towards the cross. And of course, the disciples are are totally missing it. But he's He seems to be saying that when I go there, when I go to the cross, I'm actually making a way for you back to the Father. How will you know that? 
when I come back to be with you. And so when he comes back, his post-resurrection appearances will demonstrate that the way to the Father now is made manifest. And so how we experience that now is where Jesus is in the presence of the Father, where, does, where is heaven and earth gathered together in the presence of the Father, now Jesus has said that that, can, that, that confidence is with you and in you wherever it is you may go. And the resurrection is the grand demonstration of that. And so there's there's a lot to unpack here uh, for us. And like I said, scholars, um, scholars are torn, it seems, over does Jesus have heaven in mind? I'm going away to heaven. That's where God is, my Father's house. And when I go, when I ascend to heaven, then I will come back uh, in my second coming and take you to be with me. Or does he have a more near idea in mind? I'm going to prepare a place, meaning the cross, and then I will come back and I will I will uh, manifest myself to you. So you'll see the Father when you see me in my resurrection. And um, I think both could be in play. I think as Jesus ascends to the Father, we're going to see later on in John's uh, up in Jesus's upper room discourse. He'll say, "When I go, I'll send the Spirit. The Spirit will be with you. That's how you'll know I'm with you." And so um, as we as we work through this individually and in small groups, just the confidence of knowing that we're not alone. We're not floating on a space rock. We have the presence of God with us, no matter where you are, what struggles you find yourself in, um, what circumstances you find yourself in, whether you're at work, at hobby, at home, in the neighborhood, at play, the presence of God is with you. It sounds like Matthew 28, I'll be with you always to the end of the age. And so as we work through this in small group and our personal devotional, just the, the hope in that, the confidence in that should be, uh, should be the tone of our conversation. Yeah. And we're all looking for, um, the presence of God to be near to the father. And Jesus is telling us he is the way to that relationship with the father. We're all looking for the truth. We all want to know what's true. Jesus says, I am the truth. And as you pointed out, in your last teaching, Garland, uh, Jesus said, I came that they could have abundant, overly abundant life. And he says here, I am the life. And so um, Jesus is actually pulling together a lot of his teaching into this one statement. Um, if you've seen the Father, you've seen, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father, that he's pointing us to right relationship with God and he's making it crystal clear that's only available through him, whether we're thinking of it in near term or in terms of eternity. Well, what's what's so fascinating about Jesus? And if you haven't, uh, you know, if you haven't thought about this as a Jesus follower in a while, um, just ponder this this week. He doesn't say, "Hey, I'm going to point you to the way and to the truth," as a spiritual guru might do, or as a political leader might do. Here's here's the way. Uh, let me. I found it. Let me show you the way, like Muhammad does, like Joseph Smith does, like Buddha does. No, Jesus says, "I am the way." And as Clark noted in our Easter talk this last week, that quote from Warren Wiersbe has been sticking with me. All of the doctrine became personal in Jesus. He says, "The way that you seek all this, this these hopes that you long for, it's not in a set of doctrine or dogma or maxim or principle maxims or principles. It's found in me." And there's something remarkably uh, like warm and comforting and intimate about that. And that's what Jesus is talking about. You can know that you're with me because I'm in the Father and the Father's in me. And then you're in me and I'm in you. As a, as a, part of me doesn't like how we're working through this series as we go, you know, we're kind of jumping around John's gospel and part of me goes, man, let's just work through it. Let me challenge the reader of this this week. If you're leading a community group on it, 
sit down and in one sitting, read John 14 to 17. Just read the whole thing in one go. It'll take about 15, 20 minutes and just start noting some of the themes, the repeated ideas, the repeated words. Um, and I think you'll get a flavor of what Jesus is doing and then go back and you know lead your small group or listen to the sermon um, or work through this personally. And I think you'll see Jesus is working these themes the whole time and they're really significant. This is his final few moments with his disciples before the cross. We should be simmering in these words and uh, we're going to kind of pick and choose some passages next week. We'll look at the vine, the branches of 15. Um, but yeah, go read it a few times through these next few weeks as we work through these two IMs. Well, I'm excited about getting with my community group and talking about this passage and reflecting on what it means for us that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And uh, yeah, I appreciate that recommendation, Garland. Anytime we can read scripture in the context of scripture, we can let the Bible, um, the best commentary we have on the Bible is the Bible. And so to see how Jesus is pulling these things together, how John, our Holy Spirit-inspired author, um, has been led to assemble some of this material for us. Um, yeah, it's, a, it's amazing, and it's a great experience for every follower of Jesus. Um, we can never spend too much time in God's Word. Um, and then to bring that into community and discuss it with each other. I always encourage people, um, the Holy Spirit may have something He wants to say to someone else in your group through you. And so to be there and to be prepared to comment um, when we gather in community. Well, Garland, thanks for the time and the work you've put into this. I'm looking forward to hearing the message, and I'm looking forward to um, hearing the discussions that take place in our Bible studies and community groups. And we will see you next time right here on Sermon Notes. Sermon Notes.